My guest today is a burlesque dancer who is a regular at places like the legendary and notorious venue The Box. She's the namesake of an incredibly talented House of Olive, an innovative and exciting art and production collective making a name for themselves in the nightlife scene. I'm happy to have with me today the marvelous Olive to Party. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So, how long have you been doing burlesque? Um, so, in New York City, I've been doing it just over two years. Um, total, I began about three, three and a half years ago. I actually um, started, my, my first show was with Sin City Burlesque in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we did it at Bogarts, and it was amazing. I was super excited. And I did my first um, intro to burlesque workshop with them. And they were actually the first professional troupe I ever saw, hmm. saw live. And I got up roaringly drunk after their show and sat on their laps and hugged them and told them how magical they were because I had not really seen um, a modern burlesque show like that. And it was such an amazing compilation of um, fun and vaudeville and, and Neo, too, but also, again, like bringing so much dance technique into it. it was magnificent so I worked with them for four weeks on choreography and doing a cute cute uh like group number and then we performed and then I kittened for a troupe in West Virginia where I'm from for a while and I would drive out of town to go do it because I taught kids at the time I taught dance to kids and uh, the studio owner was extremely supportive of me and she was wonderful about it and said I love what you're doing I totally understand it like she knew who I was and she just said I just want to let you know um if you do it here, just be prepared because we were in the Bible Belt that people will not probably like that. Yeah. Just want you to be aware of it. So I just knew that for me and myself and for my art, I needed to make a change. So I, of course, came to New York and then started um, less than a year later. I moved here August of 2017 and did my first audition April of 2018 at Slipper Room. And now here we are. Were you doing any type of performance before burlesque? Yes. Um, so I was, uh, I've danced on and off for about 11 years. I wasn't professional, professional by any means, but I was in an ensemble in college and was a dance minor. And then I also, uh, I was in the a nonprofit dance gallery before I moved here with Fourth Avenue Arts in West Virginia. And I also did stand up for about two years. I was in some sketch comedy work. Um, everybody, everybody was in theater. I was in theater, of course. Mm -hmm. And then I also sang in a band and did uh, choir and sang before that. So, so yeah. So of all these different hats you've worn, what was it about burlesque that stuck? It was the only hat that fit all the hats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I've actually said this to so many people cause they're like, okay, you've done so many movement and performance arts. Why this one? And it was the only, th I've, I've not done one type of art where I said this is the one where I get to really do every single thing I love so much and create this succinct story because at the, at the heart of it I love storytelling and um, burlesque was the first thing where I realized I could do comedy and I could tell a story and I could use my voice or I could use my body I could make it political I could make it funny I could use my body and my brain to entertain and tell a story to an audience in less than five minutes and also, the costuming aspect. I I love, 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 love costuming. And that's what brought me into being interested in burlesque in the first place was the this very, very, like, hyper-feminine, hyperbolic character that you could create out of it. And the costuming that went into it was just mind-boggling to me, and I loved it. And then 
that's what got me interested in the first place. Like when I was like 14 and came across a photo of Dita Von Tees, as many of us did. And um, that's what got me into it in the first place. And I, you know, I was a volunteer marketing associate, a.k.a. woman they couldn't get rid of hmm. um, at a vintage store called Finds and Designs or Fad Vintage in West Virginia. And um, they really were so incredible and so supportive of letting me like style mannequins with them. Like, even though I, I don't even think I really asked, I was just kind of like, wouldn't this be cute with that? And they'd be like, sure, honey, put that purse on it. <laughs> and like, they knew that I really had a love for taking these pieces that were timeless to me and, and kind of giving them new life and, and styling them in a way that was modern and really, you know, taking this wearable art and making it fresh. And the <laughs> that's actually how I met my, my partner, Oliver Yu. Um, we met waiting tables at a Red Lobster by that vintage store. And I, you know, we clicked immediately and I told him I really wanted to do a fashion show there. And he said, let's do it. So we asked the store if we could do a fashion show, hired a bunch of our friends, air quotes hired. <laughs> we bribed them with free wine. And um, we held a fashion show as a fundraiser for a local cancer benefit and raised a few hundred dollars on a snowy day. And that was kind of the start of this. So really, we both have just found especially now like that was the start of it of saying I, I finally can find a move in a performance art where I can incorporate everything I love but now two years later I mean I I really couldn't dream of doing anything else like I still want to expand and grow mm -hmm. and I still want to learn you know as much as I want to learn you know develop my improv and then develop my stand-up and develop my voice as much as I want to do that it, it's all to go back under the hat of burlesque and make me better at that art form. Do you remember the first time that you performed that you felt like you were like generally great at what you were doing? So the first few weeks I lived in New York City, I went to um, C.D. Devontee's, shock and awe, mm -hmm. and I met Dirty Martini and Zelia Rose, and uh, Zelia did this amazing Josephine Baker like tribute act, and I talked to her after the show and a little dirty too, and told them like, you know, I, I've danced on enough for years. I adore jazz. This is beautiful. And Celia was kind enough to take my number and invite me to be her plus one to the New York Burlesque Festival in, at the end of September. Mm -hmm. And cut to now, two years later, I had my first piece accepted to the New York Burlesque Festival. So I got to perform in the very festival that I first really went to in New York. That's awesome. And that night is also after that show was the first time I went to Slipper Room, which is now like my home club. And Zelia took me to see Dirty in the Midnight set, and I met Ambrose Martos, and, and I think I met James that night, who's the owner with his wife, Camille. And I woke up the next morning, and I thought, oh, my God, that, that was literally the best night of my life. I don't know where to go from here. Mm -hmm. And I, I developed this very silly act to Dangerous Woman, where I have this big sign that says, no swimming within 30 minutes of eating, and a baby pool full of confetti, mm -hmm. and a hot dog by the sign. Mm -hmm. Um, and I come out and I strip to Dangerous Woman and have this very stressful, it's a very physically comedic piece. I do a lot more with my face than I actually do my body mm -hmm. and strip down and ultimately pull condiments out of my underwear and spray them on the hot dog. And I have these great uh, mustard ketchup pasties and I get in the baby pool and, and I drown or I at least get a cramp and, and wander off stage with usually the hot dog hanging out of my mouth. And I remember there was this night right before I did it at the festival that I did it at Slipper Room, and one of the first people I met on the scene was Emily Shepard, and she didn't even know me. I rushed into a show one time. I didn't have pasties. I was late, and she just walked up and goes, what do you need? And mm. I was like, uh, I don't I don't have this. And she's like, cool. Um, these pasties, let me go grab my bag. And she grabbed a bag of pasties. She goes, these are going to go best with your costume. And she's helped me out. She does my curtain. She does all this. She doesn't really know me at this point. Cut to this night before I go do this this piece at the festival. She's at the edge of the stage, 
And that act went so well. The audience was into it. They were laughing. Every hit that I was supposed to hit went well. I added a little new choreography because I had this great, like, mustard ketchup, air quotes, fringe beaded, Mm -hmm. like, trim on my underwear. I just added, and I'm shaking it. And Emily's at the corner of the stage, and I, like, kicked my sign over, and she made sure to move it out of the way so that, like, I could get into my baby pool. (laughs) And, like, looking at the audience and looking at somebody who helped me so much whenever I started and that, like, I admire so much, too, and just doing that act and I hit every freaking note. I was like, that went exactly as I planned. Oh, my God. So it's not every time. But I remember that night in particular, I came off stage and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm the greatest. But I was like, yeah. I'm finally, finally understanding the relationship with the audience better and how to communicate this storyline to them as opposed to like being like, OK, what's next? Mm-hmm. Oh God, I'm stuck on the corset, and like realizing they're just rooting for you the whole time, and to make it really fun while you do it, and just enjoy it. The more fun that you have doing it, the more fun they have. So that was a really good night. It's really amazing. Now, on the other hand, oh no, what's the worst you've ever bombed? Okay, and what Ooh. did you learn from it? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh God, the worst I've ever bombed. I had this terrible DIY costume to an act that now it gets hired pretty often which is great because i've changed that costume like four times the first incarnation of my ring my bell costume because i do this act to ring my bell by anita ward Mm -hmm. and i was like okay i want a costume covered in bells it was around holiday time i had rainbow jingle bells and a red corset and a lot of fringe now what i didn't pay attention to with the fringe was that it was not disconnected at the bottom i cover everything this fringe i just hit the mic and it (laughs) looked great Kind of. It looked funky. It looked holiday-y. And I was like, oh, it's fun. I can develop this. Okay, cut to me taking off this garter belt and corset on stage covered in basically a bunch of loops. (laughs) Of course I get stuck in it. It's horrific. It all loops over each other. And I just fall to the floor with my bell, like, my, I have these, like, desk bells on my boobs. And I'm just like, And people just laughed and, like, clapped because clearly I am stuck. (laughs) And that that stuck with me going, okay, A, rehearsals are very 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 (laughs) important you don't need a studio just do it in your room at least a couple times no matter how confident you are Mm -hmm. b being charming will get you out of almost anything except for parking and speeding tickets i've learned but at least it will not you know it will not turn james and camille off of you so thank you guys so much for hiring me again after that atrocious night um thirdly um also to work with people on your costumes i i I'm not the best at everything or even like I'm a jack of a million trades and I'm a master of none. But what I am is resourceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, like I talk to people about my costumes more. I talk about ideas. I collaborate with people and I'm like, what do you think of this? And I'll do it. And then, you know, just recognizing like you can ask for help and people are excited to help you. Like you're not going to be looked down upon for saying, I don't know. What should I do? So um, definitely a good learning experience. Definitely a reel I don't use. And now that costume is a bell-bottom jumpsuit, and I get to yell, they're bell-bottoms. What's a, one number of routine that you've seen that you said to yourself, man, I wish I came up with that myself? Oh, my God. Um, so whenever Oliver and I aren't doing shows or in shows, we are going to shows constantly. We truly are just dumb good fans of, like, all of our really talented friends. Um so it's, oh man, that's, okay, so in, let me categorize this a little bit, and I can't go f- too far into it, because also I don't, 
I don't want to imply that I'm jealous with that being like, ah, but like the idea of like, oh man, that was so good. Yeah. We have that feeling regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time Darlinda, just Darlinda does her praying piece to Kesha, it's a reverse burlesque piece done with a, for the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. I've cried every single time. Mm -hmm. It is so beautiful and poignant and simplistic. And I mean that as a compliment, a minimalistic, I guess yeah. I should say, in, in her choreography. It's it's something I think about regularly. It was, It's truly such a beautiful take on classical trope of reverse burlesque and modernizing it. And it's beautiful. Um, Pearl Staley, every time she does her Tango de Roxanne, cry. Oliver and I sat and cried watching her during the Burlesque Festival. And it's not even so much the song. The song literally could be caribou mating calls. I don't mm -hmm. even care. Her face, her movement, the way she does her striptease, her, she eats up every moment. It is so thought out. I mean, that's something where I'm like, I'm so inspired. I'm inspired to think of my choreography differently. I think that's what, I think that's really like at the heart of it. It's like what inspires me yeah. to like, you know, and we sit and talk about it later and we eat it up and we think differently and have a different perspective because of it. Those pieces. Um, literally, Broody Valentino's Sunset Boulevard piece. Mm. Kill me, then play that on a projector at my funeral. Like, it's so, it, it incorporates drag and queer and burlesque and classical and it's modern and it's beautiful. And then um, as far as nightlife's concerned, Narcissister has this amazing, hilarious, like, no chill piece. It's also a hot dog number. And I saw it after my hot dog number and I thought... <laughs> Well, I'll be damned. Um, that is the <laughs> ultimate hot dog number. And it is, it, there's just no stopping it. Like, coming out of, I'm not going to give all of it away because Narcissister is very, very private and has a documentary about them. And, and uh, but it is basically hot dog upon hot dog upon diner upon no chill, hot dog reveal. Like, the piece just keeps moving. So it's constantly telling a story and is campy and hilarious with no breaks from the moment the curtains open to the moment they close. Mm -hmm. So the way that, Narcissus developed that piece and made it so big and so campy and funny and sexy. And I, I think that these pieces that incorporate technique and vaudeville just make me go, oh, my God, I can't wait to think of a piece that makes people feel like I feel right now. Like jaw drop inspired by these people. So, I mean, again, I could go on, like, but I'm not going to eat up all your time with, like, sitting here, like, <laughs> crying at Slipper Room or House of Yes or the Barcelona Follies. Also, um... Everything that literally Julie Atlas Muse, Dirty Martini, Pearl Noir, or Tigger ever do on stage, I have straight told them, you could eat a Hot Pocket. You could just sit down and eat a Hot Pocket. I will cheer the whole time and throw money at you. I Like, they are so brilliant. And Joe Boobs, too. Joe Weldon. Oh, my God. So these, again, just people that make me go, I I can't wait to work harder and, and inspire people like these people do with their work. Like, that's, whew, there's some good stuff here in the city. There's some good stuff. So you've already brought them up already, but can you tell me and the listeners at home a little bit about House of Olive, how that came to be? Yeah. So um, so I started doing burlesque here, and my partner at the time lived in Florida. I, I told him I, I want to be a burlesque brand, but I want to develop that. And he talked to me about having a troupe. And I was like, well, I don't quite want a troupe. And he's like, you know, I'm not saying just a troupe, honey. I'm talking about like a house. I think that we should develop a house. I think that that is something that you need to think a little bigger. You need to not pigeonhole your vision. And I think that you really need to think outside the box here. He's like, I don't think you understand what you and I can do and how much, you know, there is to explore with that. And really he had this 
beautiful idea for a house. And I was like, you know, that is an incredible idea. And then he moved here and we began working together immediately and, um, you know, started developing this little brain baby. Okay. I was like, I love this idea. We, we want to be a brand. Let's be it together. Okay. What does this mean? And I was like, well, can I, okay, I love your idea of a house. Can I give you your, your name? And he said, yeah. And I said, Oliver, you, and he said, okay, but I want to spell it a little differently. I said, that's great. So we collaborated on this idea of the, the, us being, you know, this olive house. And then really he was like, okay, we've got our house. You know, you said yes to this. Let's do it. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this means. <laughs> so I was like, I vaguely know what this means, but I, you know, it was, we didn't know what we didn't know. And, and we, we said this to the house too, that we talked about, um, we only knew what was in our own experience mm-hmm. and he came up and that's really what, what really, my God, it really like catapulted this. Um, just, his encouragement and love and then me encouraging him as well and, and saying, you know, it's okay to be yourself here. And he, and he learned that and he knew that the second he was downtown, people were so loving and accepting and open-minded and encouraging that he just went in, no fears, all confidence. He's like, yep, I'm in. Like, this is the most surrounded that he's been around. Again, we're from West Virginia and he's from a farm. Hmm. He's from a place where he literally had to ride a horse to the bus stop. Like, huh. and I'm from a small town. Like, I went to school in like Proctorville, Ohio, and we both met and pretty much were, grew up as adults in Huntington, West Virginia. And he'd never experienced a place where he could truly be himself and explore himself and his his queerness. And he got to do that here. And he's like, no, 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 this is this is incredible. And we need to we need to create this for people. And I was like, I agree with you. Like, we would be nothing without queer culture. We'd be nothing without the burlesque scene. What what do we do? And we developed the house and um we really started to get into production because we wanted to create spaces and jobs for people that we wanted to see perform mm-hmm. and um, and that also needed a space like we did to feel safe to explore their art. So um, the people in the house are, oh my God, they are, they're family. Like we literally call each other family and we have a running group text that does not stop hmm. and it is magical. And the, the few members who do not, uh, do not have iPhones, don't worry, they are Instagram message or message over WhatsApp. Hmm. And uh, we just had our first uh, annual Thanksgiving dinner. We're having a holiday dinner next month. Like That's we truly cute. treated it. Oh my God, it's really fun. I'm really excited. And um, at the recommendation of Miss Ava Lanch, last Kelsey, I think we're going to play Snatch Game next month. I'm really thrilled about it. What I've seen firsthand, people seem to really love both you and your all the other members of your collective. Oh, thanks. So. W- <laughs> In your opinion, what is it that makes the House of Olives so special that it appeals to so many people? Oh, my God. Um, oh, God. Thank you so much for saying that, first of all. And um, what what we really uh, – we, we create house rules. <laughs> and there aren't a lot of them, but um, they are requirements. And if you cannot follow them, then – it's not that you're different or bad, but if you can't follow them, then maybe this isn't the right fit for you. But those rules are that you always, always – expect the best of everyone and give the best that you can that you come with every person with the benefit of the doubt and you expect love and give love that you always represent the house and positivity and radiate love and support for others not just in the house at every show we go to like you always tip you promote others gigs you you collaborate you you know are screaming loudly and excitedly like even whenever we just go down to the monster to dance every week mm-hmm. if somebody is throwing down you cheer them on too and it's not disingenuous like oh i'm in the house i have to do this it's that Oliver and I already did all this. Mm-hmm. We did that in West Virginia. We did it before we met. Then we met. We were like, oh, my God, you think like this, too. And we were so thrilled to find somebody that thought like we did. And, 
you know, we just joined forces and we've always believed in and radiating positivity and love and light, period. Because typically you get back from people what you give. Mm-hmm. So if you expect the best of people, that's what they tend to give you. And if you don't, then it's okay to take space from those people. It's okay to love from a distance. It's okay to judge what is not and what is serving you. Mm-hmm. And um, clearly Oliver also lived with me during my yoga teacher training. <laughs> Namaste. And, uh, you know, we always believed in that. And then we found people who also felt the same and said, no, I want that too. I do. I, I want to be around people and surround myself with people who have those same beliefs about self-care days and just cooking dinner at home. And some nights maybe we throw down to 4 a.m. And some nights maybe we go home, go to bed and su- throw pictures in the group chat of us and face masks. And, you know, it's a very, very positive, supportive network of not just in the house. We, we, we don't see it as um, it's us versus them. Like, oh, we have to just hire ourselves to just produce for ourselves. We see it as a theory of abundance. More is more. Do you feel that burlesque offers performers Mm -hmm. and audiences other forms of performance within the queer world, like drag, for example, can't? No, I totally, like, that's not saying one's better than the other. They're different, right? No, I totally understand that because, I mean, do not get me wrong. You will see me freaking out at a drag show. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Like, and there, and I joke again. Queer community, like whenever I said the little Venn diagram earlier, mm-hmm. I clearly only took like one math class ever. But Venn diagrams, my only—that's <laughs> my only math reference. Um, but no, we've joked all like we jokingly say it all the time. If you had a Venn diagram of drag, you know, queer culture and burlesque, it's pretty much a circle, mm-hmm. because they are very similar, but they are different. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think again, yeah. you need that diversity. Not everyone requires striptease and reveals to mm-hmm. tell their story. Yeah, they just don't. That you don't need that for every art. Some art loves it, mm-hmm. and that's great. But, um, but a good reveal and drag can really tell a story. Mm-hmm. And a performer who is queer, like um, Vixen or Broody Valentino, these people are are and, and Veronica Viper. My God, like these people who are kind of saying, let's take elements of both, and like you can almost do it in both scenes mm-hmm. too. It's really amazing to see where that's going. It's something I never imagined. But um, drag is something I'm also seeing. get a little more inclusive and incorporate just like burlesque traditionally has had more women than men Mm -hmm. it's getting more inclusive as well and i feel like drag's kind of doing that too like i'm seeing more uh biologically female drag queens Mm -hmm. and at first i was like how do i feel about this oh i I, I know my opinion's very important as a as a (laughs) as a biological woman but no it was just like how do i feel about this as like a fan of drag and i was like how cool that people are exploring what what Really, what the I feel like a big heart of a big part of drag is, is playing with what we see as these gender norms, mm-hmm. and playing with what is femininity, what is masculinity, who is there to question that, and how do we use our our faces and our bodies and performance to tell a story and make you question that too, mm-hmm. or make fun of it, or make it political. Like, how do I tell the statement? And for some people, like doing drag and lip sync and. And performing in that way is their is their way to get their story across, and I think that's wonderful. Um, so it is different, and it's it's so cool to see. I, I love both. So I'm you know Oliver. And I used to go to drag shows in West Virginia all the time, mm-hmm. and we still happily go now. Um, but you see a lot of similarities of, between the two. Um, it's it's funny because I, I I see them so similarly in my head, but they are so distinctively different. Yeah. Um, I feel like drag is so integral to the gay and queer community Mm -hmm. and burlesque 
is as well, but I think drag is a different beast. Mm -hmm. Drag is a whole different beast and is more has a different history with the gay and queer community than burlesque does. Mm -hmm. So I think this you can still tell the same story, but the, the the vocabulary that you use to do it is different. Finally, what would you say is the most useful thing you've learned for burlesque, but in terms of applying it to everyday life? Oh, Lord. I actually was, oh my God, I just did this amazing interview with Oliver with these um, two lovely women from Stanford about burlesque and they actually asked a really similar question i really hadn't thought about that somebody asked me that like how do i feel about it and has it changed or healed me at all and it's something that i didn't realize how much it affected me until somebody asked me mm -hmm. um i am so much more protective of my space and energy my confidence to say no to things mm -hmm. even than just a year ago is radically different like i i have so much more autonomy over my my space and my energy and my body i realize how much more value i have i'm i'm much more accepting to say no to things that don't serve me i you, you know i am more protective of my friends and family i am a better person because of burlesque like i am i was talking to them in this interview with oliver that you know, not every member of my family is very supportive of what I do mm -hmm. because, you know, again, some very similar to the drag community that people can see it as um, sinful. They can, uh, you know, I'm from, again, Bible Belt. So mm -hmm. and Oliver, you know, is too. So we've experienced some negativity, not a lot. Again, that we are very, very grateful to be from one of the most LGBTQ accepting towns and, or cities in West Virginia. And we're so proud of where we're from in Appalachia. Like we are extraordinarily proud. We have different hometowns, but that's really where we call home. And not everyone's accepting and mm. I realized I, I had some negative feedback about my work from someone recently from back home and my first reaction wasn't to be sad or hurt or angry my first reaction was how do I make art out of this mm -hmm. and um, you know I saw this show that one of our house members produced called Disco Biscuits and it's a retelling of the Rite of Spring mm. to disco it and it's this incredible contemporary ballet that uh, Ava Lanch or Kelsey has choreographed and worked on with these incredible dancers, some of which are also in the house. And I, I, I talked to them about it, and they were so incredibly ex in accepting and and kind and non-judgmental about this really this really negative feedback about me. And to say, absolutely, how can I help? I have some ideas. I've been thinking about this because I'm going to be in the next um, incarnation of Disco Biscuits mm -hmm. and talking about my character development and using these words for that and what we could do. And it meant so much to me that this person was willing to collaborate and see this very, you know, kind of dark, vulnerable thing for me to, to have somebody from my home say these things to me. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel bad about it. Again, my first reaction was, how do I make art out of this? How do I, how do I create something new from this? How do we use it as material? And I realized after that that that's the first time in my life that my reaction to someone's negativity towards me and uh, about something that could be very it's very personal to me because burlesque is truly where I it means so much to me and and I realized that that was the first time I didn't react defensively or angrily or or I wasn't sad I I was encouraged and I thought how do I how do I take this and build from it mm -hmm. and I didn't think about that till someone asked me that you know do you think it's helped you or healed you at all and I I think that it's made me a stronger better person in so many ways just for myself, but also, you know, that it's taught me to digest things differently. Mm -hmm. It's taught me to react to people's reactions differently. 
Um, it's taught me not to take things quite as personally. It's taught me to, again, and house members included, the queer culture included, the burlesque community included, that to really try to constantly radiate positivity and love. And if you aren't getting that back and to recognize when something is truly about you and your actions and to develop from there and be better next time or to realize when someone's reactions are not about you. Mm-hmm. When someone grabs my butt at a club, it's not about me. It's about them being drunk and not knowing burletiquette or or not looking at women as people yeah. or not looking at performers as humans. Mm-hmm. And that's a different issue. It's not about me personally. Yeah. I could have been anyone. And um, to know that this comment that, that for my first reaction wasn't, I, I didn't have to sit and think about that. I didn't have to sit and think about how I needed to react to that. Instead, my first reaction was just the reaction mm-hmm. based on all this experience and, and the unconditional love and support that we experience here. And also from, you know, my family too. Like as I've developed more in this world, some of my, you know, my sisters are so incredibly encouraging and, and um, to have that and just realize that that really kind of culminated with this reaction. And I was like, oh, I'm so much more confident and and I have more autonomy now and I'm more willing to say again no to things that don't serve me and to not take things so personally and not make it about my ego anymore and just keep going with my art and keep doing what I'm doing and try to keep it positive and keep growing and keep going that that's the first time I realized how much burlesque has changed me. Perfect. I think that's a perfect place to end, in fact. So... Where can the people find you, follow you, see you, and consume your media? Oh, come consume my media. Um, <laughs> so if you follow the hashtag house, H-A-U-S, of Olive, just like the garnish, um, you can see a lot of our posts about pictures and things that we're doing. There are approximately 25 of us now. So, <laughs> yeah, we just we just added another member, so I'm really excited. Thanks, Miss Juno Stardust. And... Um, so if you go to my Instagram, um, I post all my show dates in my bio and I post constantly about what I'm doing and where to find me and what venues that we will be at. Um, my Instagram is olive, just like the garnish, T-U-P-A-R-T-I-E, olive to party, because of course it is a pun for I love to party. <laughs> and um, Oliver Yu is my partner. Again, he also posts his show dates. He posts things that he's up to because while we do work as a unit mm-hmm. and we post all the house things, we also post about different things that we're doing. So, for instance, he was go-going last night at $3 bill with uh, the lovely Vivica Galactica and Miss mm. Ava Lanch. So um, we're posting about different shows. So, um, But as far as house shows, we always post those on both of our Instagrams. His is Oliver, O-L-I-V-U-R underscore Y-U. And we both post about them. We post uh, on our stories, our bios, um, both of our Instagrams, and then as well as things that we're doing personally. We have our own individual emails, but the house email is the best um, to connect with both of us. And it's just AJUS of Olive, House of Olive, NYC at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me and having me be a part of this. I'm so excited.